Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Very Cold Lasagna, your filthy casual space for all the most filthy casual takes on the world of pro wrestling and sports. I am your host, Dylan Lasagna. Thank you for tuning in wherever you're getting your podcast, uh, wherever it may be, or you're watching this on YouTube. Welcome to episode number 116 of this filthy casual sports show. And we got a lot to talk about here in this episode. Um, of course, if you're looking for football talk, um, that's exclusively on the YouTube channel. Um, I talked about my week one picks for the 2022 NFL season on the Very Cold Lasagna YouTube channel. My picks for the very first week of the 2022 season. It's on the YouTube channel. Go check it out. Go watch it. Go debate it. Try to refute it <laughs> as much as you can. It's only week one, okay? But here in this podcast episode, we got more things to discuss about professional wrestling because it was a big week, a big weekend of wrestling, and it ended up being a big week of wrestling overall, um, mostly for the wrong reasons, mostly for the wrong reasons. Um, in this particular case, we're going to be talking about All Elite Wrestling, AEW All Out, and they had a pay-per-view. Yes, AEW had a pay-per-view called All Out 2022. I mentioned before I went on vacation um, for the weekend last week, this could be AEW's worst pay-per-view yet because the lack of build, the lack of stories, you know, it's just the usual circus that AEW likes to put out on national television, on TBS, TNT, and for $50 on pay-per-view. So... That's pretty much the sentiment I had and pretty much a bunch of other people had going into Sunday, September 4th on that Sunday night. So I'm not going to talk too much about what m happened on most of the show. There was only like a few select things that I actually ended up honestly liking, liking, but for the most part, it still ended up being the worst uh, pay-per-view that AEW had. Um, before I get started with um, today's show, um, I do want to mention a couple of things. If you do hear a fan in the background, <laughs> if you're watching this on you on YouTube or if you're listening to this on audio, um, it's because it's so damn hot <laughs> in California. It is 90 degrees where I live and I, I need this fan. I desperately need this fan. It is so damn hot um, where I'm recording this. So I'm sorry. If you hear a fan in the background, uh, I do apologize. It's just I, I can't do this i can't record pro like in a conceivable manner without <laughs> without wasting my energy wasting my ref or having to stop without a fan because it's just so damn hot trust me i tried doing my picks yeah um the other day recording my week one picks and it was just so damn bad like without a fan so i desperately needed one so anyway, enough rambling. Um, you know where to find the podcast. You know where to go on YouTube. Um, search up Very Cold Lasagna on your preferred platform. And follow the show on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Very Cold Lasagna. And let's get this show on the road with AEW All Out. So we had a zero hour, AEW zero hour, um, uh, not very memorable sh uh, pre-show. Not very memorable pre-show um you start off with the triple a um world mixed tag team champion sammy guevara and since when did ty conti start going by tay mellow 
Um, I, I'm not sure where that started happening, but they beat Ortiz and Ruby Soho in a pretty unmemorable match. I do remember that um, Sammy and Tay almost, almost killed Ruby Soho, though, um, with a double-team move, and Ruby landed neck first, so it's like, damn. What the hell are you doing? So then, uh, Hook, the FTW champion, I don't know what the hell that is still, um, beat Angelo Parker with the Taz mission or whatever his finishing move is. Um, so after the match, Angelo Parker, Matt Menard, um, would go on to uh, surround the ring, but Action Bronson, whoever that is, made the save. Um, moving on to the next match, Pac, um, a.k.a. Neville, uh, from WWE would retain his all Atlantic championship against Kip Sabian, who is doing this box gimmick. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it's something that happened. And then in the main event of the pre-show, Eddie Kingston beat some guy that we're apparently supposed to know or respect, Tomo Tomohiro Ishii. Does any casual fan? know who he is does any casual fan bother to care who tomo hero ishii is i certainly don't i certainly don't and neither should you so going to the main card uh we opened the show with the casino ladder match for the the poker chip aew world title match uh you had cesaro your ring of honor world champion uh wheeler utah jazz the lucha bros uh penta el zero miedo and Ray Phoenix, Rush, Andrade, uh, Dante Martin, and then, of course, the Joker, uh, whoever that was going to be. Um, it was your typical circus match, your typical, oh, let's do these big spots kind of ordeal. And towards the end of the match um, was what mattered most. The Joker came out, but before, prior to that, um, a bunch of henchmen, Retribution, <laughs> I'll remember Retribution from the pandemic era of WWE. Retribution invaded AEW um, and started attacking all the competitors. Um, only this time, they got new members. Stogie Hathaway, Ethan Page, Lee Moriarty, uh, the Gun Brothers, uh, Colton and Austin Gunn, and Big Cass. Yes, Big Cass, well, William Morrissey, whatever his name is now. They all attacked the competitors and... When the Joker came out, uh, I think it was like sip to this theme song I saw, I listened to while doing Peloton. <laughs> it was like at the very end of the cooldown. So Stogie Hathaway gave the Joker the poker chip, and he just won the match by doing absolutely nothing. I mean, the opener was fine for what it was. I mean, for most people, they already knew who it was going to be, and I'm pretty, pretty sure I already knew who it was, but we'll get to there in a second. So then we had the tournament final for the AEW World Trios Championship. I still don't know why we need more titles in AEW when you already have so many, especially when you bought Ring of Honor. So you had Kenny Omega and the Cucks of Suck, uh, Matt and Nick Jackson, the Elite, going up against the Dork Order, uh, Alex Reynolds and John Silver, and Hangman Adam Page. This was, again, your typical spot orgy, your typical circus match. Just like in the opener, you followed up with another circus match. Um, but, you know, at least you had some interest. You at least had some interest in this match um, towards the end. I mean, yes, most of it was pretty boring, but at least you got a little bit of intrigue. Um, 
you know, another false, a lot of false finishes in this match. Uh, Kenny Omega tra uh, got trapped by John Silver, but then when Adam Page went for the buckshot lariat, he accidentally hit Silver with, with the finisher when Kenny Omega ducked. And then I think one of the, the cucks of suck uh, tackled Adam Page, and then Kenny Omega stole the win from uh, the Dark Order. So, and the match was pretty whatever. I didn't really care, but I mean, the finish was, I, I mean, not, not that bad, to be honest with you. So next up, we had the TBS Championship match between the champion Jade Cardgill and Ember Moon, now known as Athena. And <laughs> now this kind of this is kind of funny. Uh, Jade Cardgill apparently, you know, she took some of the uh, some of the comments, some of the com the complaints about how some some of y'all think she's a you know a Seattle Seahawk. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, so, to some degree she is, and well, she literally took that. Um, she literally took that to heart on Sunday night because, well, in the midst of, you know, um, She-Hawk attorney at law being on Disney plus, well, she cosplayed as one. She literally cosplayed as one on Sunday night. So you give, you gotta give her some credit. You gotta give Jake Cargill some credit for embracing the critics, the comments, um, that some of y'all are doing in your reviews. So this was a fairly quick match. Jade pretty much dominated the entirety of this match, hit the glam slam on Ember Moon to retain her TBS title. And I got to say, she is slowly and surely improving with each and every match that she's doing. Um, she goes to 37 to no. And, and it, at this rate, who's going to stop her? Who sh can't sh she be stopped? Should she be stopped? I don't know. Next up, we had another trios match, the second of three in the night. Like, there were literally 15 matches on this card. Like, no need to be. And more boringness. Um, the Wardlow and Dax Hardwood and Cash Wheeler of FTR. Yeah, this is the best that you can do with them. Going up against Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin. Yes, it's TNA. 2010 all over again in 2022 oh yeah baby we gotta revive make aw 2010 tna baby oh man this <laughs> is so it's just like so weird this is so weird seeing like the, the motor city machine guns pretty much being brought in to make aw tna <laughs> so anyway this was a a pretty, pretty boring match. Nothing uh, something happened other than, you know, AEW trying to have their own Nicholas moment. And what am I, my Nicholas moment? Well, Dax Hardwood brought out his young daughter. Um, kind of, uh, it's kind of whatever. So, you know, remember, you remember from WrestleMania 34 when Braun Strowman picked a kid out of the crowd named Nicholas <laughs> for a Raw Tag Team Championship match between, I think it was like Cesaro and Sheamus. And they actually won that match. Well, this time around, um, Dax Hardwood brought his young daughter um, out, and they surround a like Wardlow and FTR surround the ring so they can like have her his young daughter like beat beat up on on Le Jay Lethal's manager so or something. So that that was the thing that happened post-match like you could have just had that segment rather than the entire six-man tag team ordeal 
You didn't need to do all that like before that. You could have just had that post-match moment, and that could have been it. So anyway, uh, Ricky Starks lost the powerhouse Hobbs. Um, you know, with all the building up, the hyping up that they've been doing for Ricky Starks, he just gets ass whooped by powerhouse Hobbs. So whatever. Now, a match that I was mostly looking forward to um, throughout the night was the acclaimed. Max Caster and Anthony Bowens finally getting their rightfully deserved shot at the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Because if you ever watch the acclaimed, if you ever like listen to their raps, and sure, some of you could say, oh, they're just ripping off John Cena's Doctor of Economics gimmick. What you can at least say about the acclaimed is that they're at least taking that gimmick and making it fresh. Like, at least Max caster is freestyle in it and yeah the sister me stuff you know all this is kind of kind of cringe but it's at some points it's also kind of funny you gotta admit a little bit so the the rap at, in chicago the one they did it all out was kind of weak but the, the chicago crowd really wanted the claim to win and of course going into it i did too this is the point where Tony Khan man should have called an audible. He should have seen like this. He should have seen like throughout this match, like how the acclaimed was so hot, like how the crowd really wanted them to win. How like the acclaimed, how Anthony Bowens was fighting through this knee injury, how Max Caster was getting the hot tag and how Isaiah Swerve Strickland or whatever his name is. And Keith Lee, were just beating down on the acclaimed at, and being heels, even though they were pretty much baby faces, they were like slowly transitioning to heels. Tony Khan, man, should have like let let them, the acclaimed, be the tag team champions. Like cl climax on this story, capitalize on the crowd. So I don't know why. Like you had this really good match, probably the the. Only tag team title match or tag team match overall I enjoyed from AEW. And then you let the wrong team win. You let Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland retain the titles. So the claimed really arrived that night. They they most definitely did. What? Did they really? It's like they they could have definitely arrived fully if Tony Khan man let them. But fortunately for them, fortunately, they're getting a rematch at, at Grand Slam. Maybe Tony Khan man wants them to win it, the titles on nationally televised free TV and on their turf um, in, um, what is it, Arthur Ashe, New York, or like somewhere like in the outer skirts of New York, New York on their on their turf. I don't know. But like whether that 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 crowd for Grand Slam is hotter, I mean, of course it will, because it will be a smarky crowd. We'll see. But that that night at least should have belonged to the acclaimed. It, it should have been their night that they truly arrived in AEW, even if it was just transitional. Even if it was just was transitional. So then you had the interim AEW Women's Championship tournament. Might as well just might as well just crowned permanent uh, permanent AEW Women's Champion because well apparently Thunder Rosa can't carry the company 
she can't because it's, it was only four months into her reign and she already got injured. So Tony Storm beat Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, Jamie Hayter, Hikaru Shida, and apparently there's some dissension going on between um, Baker and Jamie Hayter. So who knows? Maybe we'll eventually get a feud between the two. Um, but man, <laughs> soon it, it kind of, I don't know. I kind of feel bad for Tony Storm. I don't know. Not really. Because as soon as she knocked out both Dr. Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter, um, it was like, and she won the title. It's like the arena just deflated. Arena <laughs> just went like felt like bye bye. It, it was just they they did not feel like as pleased as they thought they would with Tony Storm winning, having that career defining moment for her. So yeah, Tony Storm's your interim AEW women's champion until Thunder Rosa comes back whenever. So next up we had a the shortest match of the night, Jungle Boy against Christian. Um <laughs> For as personal as the video package uh, showed, yeah, shortest match of the night. Uh, that was because Luchasaurus, uh, Jungle Boy's partner, uh, supposedly attacked him, turned on him, and yeah, he brutalized him. And that allowed Christian to quickly win the match with the spear and the kill switch. So Christian was like, "Yeah, you want to brutalize me? You want to? You want to kick my ass? Yeah." No, no, no. You're not going to do that to me, man. I'm, I'm going to kick your ass, but not in the way you expect. So next up, we had Daniel Bryan. Oh, Bryan Danielson, sorry. Going up against Lionheart, Chris Jericho. No, he doesn't want... Daniel Bryan doesn't want the sports entertainer, Chris Jericho. He wants the pro wrestler, Lionheart, Chris Jericho. Even though pro wrestling is the same as sports entertainment. It's just a fancy term. Vince McMahon came up with. They're literally exactly the same thing. Why do we still have this debate? I don't understand it. So anyway, so Jericho comes out to this uh, random song to match his Lionheart thing. Um, <laughs> Daniel Bryan's interest was cringe. I'm sorry. The guy singing his theme song, um, it sounded like auto-tune. He was auto-tuning live. It was like he was lip-syncing. Like, I'm sorry. I'm, I, it, it's just, it was just bad. So for the match itself, just like with the rest of the, the night, I was bored. I was literally asleep. It, it was slow. Um, Daniel Bryan was trying to carry Jericho through this match, but it just wasn't working. This was painfully long for the sake of being long as hell. It was just like amateur wrestling. <laughs> it really was when it didn't need to be. And... Chris Jericho won a painfully long match, dick-kicking Daniel Bryan, hitting the Judas effect, ending our misery. And then the match before the main event, um, the House of Black, Malachi Black, a.k.a. Aleister Black, uh, Brody King, and Buddy Matthews uh, faced off against Darby Allin, Sting, and Rusev, a.k.a. Miro. Um, they, the babyfaces, Miro, Darby Allin, and Sting, went on to win this match. Um, after Sting spat out some cum, no, <laughs> just kidding, uh, some black mist, um, even though it didn't look that way, um, initially on, on the live feed, but in, in replays, he actually did spit out some black mist on Aleister Black, so, so yeah, the baby faces win, uh, this 
this solid match. It actually was an okay match. Um, it's just I didn't really care for it too much. And apparently this might have been Aleister Black's last match in AEW. I mean, he did get a conditional release uh, from from the company, but who knows if he'll be back. Who knows if he'll be back. Then, of course, we had the main event, um, the, the match that everyone was looking forward to. John Moxley defending his championship just literally two weeks after he got it against CM Punk. CM Punk like truly literally tried to end it quickly like John Moxley did um, in Cleveland two weeks ago. Moxley kicked out of an early go to sleep. Um, Punk ended up getting busted open and then that significantly turned the tide for John Moxley. And then after a long back and forth match, I mean, it was it was a solid match. Don't get me wrong. Um, CM Punk hit two go to sleeps to win the match and win the world title. Um, the crowd was pretty like mixed for Moxley and Punk. And considering that it was Punk's hometown of Chicago, yeah, that was surprising. Now, I I mean, I didn't mind the match. I didn't mind the world title match like itself, but I was just question. I'm just questioning why it needed to happen in the first place. Um, because while well, you had the you had the squash match by Moxley two weeks ago, so it's like what was the really the point of this this rematch um itself? It was a really dumb decision. It really was. Like to have John Moxley face punk again um in a rematch that we all knew what was gonna happen. We really knew what was gonna happen. It's like John Moxley oh squashes CM Punk. Um, and, and CM Punk looked like he was legitimately hurt. And then of course, turn around like two weeks later, CM Punk shows no signs of injury at all out. This is really pointless. This is a really pointless matchup. Um, and then of course, emphasizing how pointless this match really was, was the fact that afterwards this video package plays Tony Khan, man, like a voice, uh, apparently is in a voicemail, uh, telling him, Oh, uh, if you come back at all out, we'll pay you this X amount of dollars and we'll guarantee you you'll be in the AEW um, casino ladder match for a title, a world title shot. And then, of course, the, it was revealed that, that the Joker was none other than Maxwell Jacob Friedman MJF. So I was happy that MJF <laughs> was the was was back was the Joker. It's just that, man, that completely overshadowed um, what just went on with the main event. And the crowd was pretty much pro-MJF in Chicago. Like, man. Like, that's stunning. <laughs> they pretty much, like, didn't care for Punk at that point. They did not care for Punk. And they pretty much, like, turned the tide in favor of MJF. Like, he got, like, a hero's welcome. Literally. He literally did. So, they end the show with MJF. Like, he he's signaling he wants the world title. Punk is holding it up like Rocky. And that's where they end the show. So, initially, overall, my thoughts on the show was, it still remained the worst show AEW has done. Because, well, there's no build to it. And the, the action that we did get was a long pouring slog aside from the tag team title match which i thought um despite you know not too much of a build 
they they managed to tell a solid a solid story and produce the, probably their only good tag team match um, in their history and a world title match that was solid itself but the but the eventual return of MJF pretty much overshadowed CM Punk winning the title so it was like at the point like you got to turn CM Punk heel you had to turn heel so my my reservation still stands at all out is the worst show in their history because the lack of build really hurt them it was just their solidification that they're a circuit they they want to showcase a circus act for $50 with 15 15 matches they're just lucky that they didn't go past the seven seven hour mark like WrestleMania did a couple years ago. So, yeah, this is a very like bad show that was only saved from like worse, like very very worse by two matches. But then the the circus act didn't stop there. The circus act didn't stop there um, because there was the post show media scrum. Um, there was the post-show media scrum and then everything, everything that, um, you know, the fans had thought about AEW, um, at least some of them, at least that some fans had thought about AEW, like they were praising AEW to death. They were giving them the, you know, the get on your knees and you do the, you know what, (laughs) um, and saying all these good things about CM Punk, the elite, Tony Khan, yeah, all that was pretty much deleted, erased in the post-show media scrum because what ended up happening there was pretty much disaster. It was disaster, man. It was it was embarrassing, like to see what what happened to this. Like I I will say this right now, what ended up happening in that media scrum on Sunday night, if. If an NFL player did that, or let let's say Antonio Brown, like the most one of the most like controversial NFL players, um, talented receiver, controversial player. If Antonio Brown did that at a press conference, well, he did get released for his on-field antics. Um, but if a CM Punk did that on an NFL team, he would instantly get released. He would instantly get released. So what CM Punk did during the media scrum was that someone asked him uh, or what? No, no, it was not even when someone asked him a question. It was like, um, he, he, he was already blasting the, the wrestling journalists. Um, he was he, like when no one even asked him a question yet. And when, when the first, for, the first guy, I think it was like Nick Calston or whatever his name was of wrestling Inc. Um, he, and, and CM Punk already blasted him like, Oh, um, are you friends with Scott Colston or Col- AKA Cole Cabana? And I was like, yes, I'm friends with Scott Colston. And he, they he went on this unrelated tirade on, on how on Scott Colston or Colt Cabana, how, how they weren't friends um, for the last, uh, the last decade and how they are having legal pr- issues, pretty much like what happened with the lawsuit between him, him, Colt Cabana, in the WWE when Punk walked out in 2014 and their own lawsuit between the two during that time 
So what was the like what was the intention of like bringing up these past issues to, to light? Like like why why you bring that up now? And then he went on to blast the the executive vice president of the company for during his tirade as well. During his emotionally like heated tirade. Kenny Omega and the Cucks suck. Um for not knowing how to run a business. I mean, I mean, I, I kind of agree with that part, but it's the way he did it. It's the way he did it that turned me off. And he also he also brought his current issues to uh, with Hangman Adam Page to light and how Adam Page went to business with himself a couple months ago during the, the go-home show for Dynamite, I believe it was, in that promo. Yeah. This is just a recipe like for disaster. And all this is while this was happening, Tony Conman was sitting right next to him, helplessly sitting there, sipping his coffee very nervously. Like if you watch that uh, media scrum, he <laughs> he was instantly regretting um having CM Punk speak on the mic and maybe in general like having him there or doing this media media scrum. So this is what he said um in like in full it's 2022 i haven't been friends with this guy since at least 2014 late 2013 and the fact that i have to sit up here because we have irresponsible people who call themselves evps and couldn't fucking manage a target and they spread lies and bullshit and and put into a media that i got somebody fired when i have fuck all to do with him want nothing to do with him do not care where he works where he doesn't work where he eats where he sleeps and the fact that i have to get up here and do this in 2022 is fucking embarrassing why even do why even bring it up in the first place why even bring that up in the first place? Like, wh why, of course, like, why the report, why is the, the reporter bringing that up? Or like, or why CM Punk bringing that up to the reporter? And why is the reporter responding to that? It's like, it's stupid. It's really stupid. And if y'all are at fault, fuck you. If you're not, I apologize. But what did I ever do? in this world to go to deserve an empty-headed fucking dumb fuck like hangman adam page to go on a national television and fucking go into business for himself for what what did i do dave what did i ever do didn't do a goddamn thing i mean yeah to be fair adam page was kind of stupid to do that but at the same time he's just standing up for the locker room but maybe in the wrong way because cm punk is definitely a mark for himself um he thinks he knows above all how to run a wrestling business when he clearly doesn't and what do you ever do? Didn't do a damn thing. So, CM Punk's kind of like a hypocrite. CM Punk, like, he he believes that he was in the wrong. But when when something bad happens to him, I don't know. He just, he, he just, like, he believes that justice should be served. That's, maybe that's what we're getting at here. And then... He goes on to claim that he he runs the show in AEW. It's not his position to make it very fucking clear. There's people who call themselves EVPs that should have fucking known better. This shit was none of their business. I understand sticking up for your fucking friends. I fucking get it. I stuck up for that guy more than anybody, okay? I paid his bills until I didn't, and it was my decision not to. Yeah, but I shouldn't have no commented when Nick first said it. It's my I, fault. And I if I hadn't, it's that. my fault. It's my I appreciate fault. that. I should have just taken a head off. But, but I'm trying something. to run a fucking business, and when somebody who hasn't done a damn thing in this business jeopardizes the first million-dollar house that this company has ever drawn, off of my back and goes on national television and does that. It's a disgrace to this industry. It's a disgrace to this company. Now, we're far beyond apologies, right? I gave him a fucking chance. 
it did not get handled and you saw what I had to do, which is very regrettable, lowering myself to his fucking level. But that's where we're at right now. And I will still walk up and down this hallway and say, if you have a fucking problem with me, take it up with me. Let's fucking go. It's just a mess to even try to dissect this thing. It really is. So pretty much what happens after this, pretty much what happens after this um, mess of a media scrum was that after immediately after Punk uh, finished um, talking with the media, the Cuxus Suck went to his locker room and so did Kenny Omega. And they they got into a big time fight. They got they actually got physical. This was like no work to shoot or anything. And stop saying it's like for all of you like wondering that it's a, a work. It's not people. It really isn't. If it was a work, then why aren't the why aren't the cucks of suck on TV? Why isn't Kenny Omega on TV? Uh, what? Where's CM Punk? So they get into this big time. Well, apparently from the dirt sheets, they get into this big time fight backstage. Um, apparently from what I read, CM like CM Punk demanded answers on like why he believes that. The EVPs, the elite, um, are trying to ruin him as a babyface, are trying to throw him under the bus, and that, and well, of course, the elite were were trying to like, get some answers from Punk for his comment, but and they thought the best way was to get physical, which, in my opinion, is of course not the wrong, not the right way to handle it either. Um, you gotta figure out how to do this civilly, but of course, when you're uh, run by a bunch of marks. When your company run by a bunch of marks, like AEW is, it doesn't really help matters. So they get into this fight. Apparently, a lot of conflicting details um, have come out. A lot of conflicting accounts, like uh, a chair was thrown into Nick Jackson's face. Um, someone got a black eye. Um, they were trying to get CM Punk's dog out of the locker room. Um, I think it was um, Pat Buck uh, or somebody... Uh, somebody's CM Punk's trainer. The bit Kenny Omega. It was a big mess. It was a big, uh, reportedly a big mess, in in the hours that followed um, All Out. So, in the days that followed, CM Punk got suspended. The Elite got suspended. Um, uh, I think Punk's trainer also got suspended. And then, a couple days ago on Dynamite. Tony Khan, man, rather than address the audience live in person, he made a a pre-taped promo, a pre-taped vignette, and the Buffalo crowd hated that <laughs> that him for that fact. They booed him, and he he stripped CM Punk. Um, while not directly by name, he stripped CM Punk. He stripped the elite of the A of the AEW World Title and the AEW Trios Title, and like man. What a way to like pretty much destroy the credibility of those titles. Like, especially the trio's title instantly. Like, my God. Like, AEW is in a very, very bad place. Like, the, like oh, oh, as much as I crap on AEW, like for being a nationally televised circus in a, in a joke, of a wrestling organization. They do provide like a few positives. Like the acclaimed. MJF. 
uh, Jamie Hayter. Um, they do provide some things that WWE doesn't. Like, it's just that they don't they don't care about criticism. They don't care about appealing to the casuals and they're run by people. Like I said, that don't give a shit about criticism. Adam page even said that himself. And look what you, where you are now. Look where you are now. You're like in a big time mess. You are in a big time mess and there's nobody to blame, but the elite. CM Punk, and especially Tony Khan. They're running this as poorly as the Jacksonville, uh, Tony Khan does with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And probably even like the Washington Commanders. This is embarrassing. This is absolutely embarrassing. And it wouldn't surprise, like, I don't want to see, <laughs> like, I don't want to see, like, an embarrassing downfall of AEW, like, it, like, just like that. But they're doing this to themselves. They're doing this to themselves. And Wednesday night uh, on Dynamite um, was honestly the first show I actually, you know, wanted to catch because of like all out being going all out for the wrong reasons. You know, it piqued my interest. And it was pretty after the MJF stuff happened. It was more of the same. It was honestly more of the same. Um, MJF cut out, the, cut this promo, um, appeased the the Buffalo fans, even wearing a Josh Allen jersey, <laughs> cutting this really like um, weird uh, babyface promo. And you know, you may, may have thought it was too good to be true. You know, he's trying to be that locker room leader. But then, as soon as John Moxley comes out, um, he he calls him for his bullshit. And then that's when we get the real MJF back. And then he wipes his ass, <laughs> wipes his ass with the Josh Allen jersey. I love that part. And then he goes back to his old MJF ways, calling the crowd's marks, uh, calling the fans marks again, and then referring uh, to Triple H, Cody Rhodes, um, the WWE. Um, you know, playing up to playing up the storyline of possibly leaving in 2024 again. So, yeah, eight. MJF is like one of the only good thing, like he, he, despite like all this uncertainty, like of this possibly being worth for MJF. Like he's one of the only genuinely good things outside, uh, of course, the acclaimed that AEW has going for it. So for AEW, like, I mean, they're doing this uh, tournament um, to crown a new permanent world champion while CM Punk is suspended. Um, I mean, it's not interim, but they stripped him of the title. So they have this tournament going on. And it's, it's, just, it's just embarrassing. It's just embarrassing that it even had to come to this point. And now CM Punk legitimately got hurt too. So he's out eight to nine months with a tricep, what apparently is a tricep tear. And like, does AEW... Like, does the locker room even want him back? Does the locker room even want him back after what he said? And, yeah, there, there are some people that say, oh, this is going to die down. Um, and, yeah, it certainly will. But you can for, you you shouldn't forget. I mean, you can forgive, but you shouldn't forget. And some people are really hard to forget. They really are. 
Just ask CM Punk himself. Just ask him. He's up. He's really hard to forgive. And he doesn't forget. So, overall, AEW did go all out. And they went they went all out. But they did it for all the wrong reasons. And 2022 is definitely their worst year. It's definitely their worst year by far. And you can say that about 2021, uh, 2020. But... I think this year and all what all out ended up being, I mean, the pay-per-view itself was garbage, um, but what followed afterwards was just a mess of itself. It was just embarrassing. It really was. And of course I don't want to ready for the down, the, the immediate downfall of AEW, but it's just like, they got to get their shit together. They, they have to get their shit together. And yes, there's still a televised, indie fed a televised circus in my eyes but if they want to survive if they want uh discovery to even keep let them stay alive in this thing they gotta they need a leader don't like tony khan's not that leader uh Niter's the elite Niter's cm punk um i mean some, some people are saying that if cm if they fire cm punk if they fire the elite aw's done false false they got Heyman on a page. They got MJF. The acclaimed are rising up to be a a slow but sure mainstream casual act. I mean, I'm maybe delusional, but they're they're slowly getting there. Um, if they promote them better, but AEW, they, they better they better get their shit together. Otherwise, we can be talking about their downfall, just like um, WCW and maybe even TNA. So, what do you guys think about um, AW All Out? Um, what do you guys think about well the interesting events that happened afterwards? I mean, that's pretty much all everyone's talking about um, with AW. Um, everything's still pending investigation with CM Punk and the Elite, um, but we'll keep. I'll I'll personally keep you updated um, with how how that's going um, when more more shit comes up. Um, probably on the YouTube channel. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> but for now, uh, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Very Cold Lasagna. I am your host, Dylan Lasagna. Thank you for tuning in to this fine, fine episode, episode number 115 of the podcast. And make sure you listen to it wherever you get your podcast. And if you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe, turn on that notification bell, and follow the show on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Very Cold Lasagna. And keep that lasagna very cold in the fridge. Your takes on the world of pro wrestling and sports. And until next time, peace out.